0: Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from Forthright Women themselves. Let's do it.
1: Hello, Forthright Women. This episode you're about to hear originally aired on our other podcast, Marketing Smarts. We thought this community would appreciate it too as it contains rich and relevant insights to help keep all of you female leaders successful and sane. So let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about leaving a legacy. Now this is generally a conversation that happens a bit later in our careers where we start to think about and wonder, hey, will anyone actually miss us when we're <laughs> <laughs> we'll our company? And it can tend to be a little bit anticlimactic when we think about all the blood, sweat, and tears we put into our career, just to think that eventually when we are gone, we're probably going to be replaced and life is going to go on there, right? So true. So it definitely creates a craving though to leave a mark to somehow imprint something from us that we can say with certainty that we actually had an impact, we actually were there.
0: Yes. And I often think about this as what do you want to be remembered for? Mm-hmm. Which goes to a slightly dark place in my head on what would you want on your tombstone? But you get the idea of where I'm going. <laughs>
1: yeah, your tombstone would be big enough,
0: I do <laughs> Well, that's fair. I'm not exactly <laughs> short-winded. You get big, but, tombstone. <laughs> but beyond your family and close friends, what mark are you leaving on this world for the better is how i try to frame it up in my mind.
1: Right, right, right. So this episode is focused on what you can do to create a lasting impact that will be remembered after you've left and are on to the next phase of your life. And we're going to assume that you actually want to create a powerfully positive legacy. <laughs> <laughs> actually, some people just don't care. And we're going to assume that you want something more than just like a plaque on the wall commemorating some sort of achievement. I, yes, yes, all of that. Although a plaque on the wall is kind of nice too.
0: Well, yeah, if you can get it, why not?
1: Right. Okay, so... The first part about leaving a legacy is to take the time to teach, coach, and mentor. When we hear stories of people recounting impactful moments in their careers, they almost always include someone who made a difference in their journey. So these are jelly moments of authentic transparency and wisdom from experience that come from, like, a very genuine desire to help the person be the best they can be. Now, these aren't just, like, your run-of-the-mill, like, everyday conversations. These are usually above and beyond and a little bit unexpected, right? So I was just listening to Guy Raz's Wisdom from the Top podcast, which is very, very good for anybody looking for something new to add to their podcast library. And he was interviewing Melinda Linda Gates. And this is the first time I've actually ever heard her speak. I've
0: hear not heard podcast. her.
1: So she's yeah. usually not the front person, right? So she was telling the story, and she was recounting a mentor and a hiring manager from her time at IBM, where she worked when she was in college, and then she was now looking for a full-time job. And they were very interested in recruiting her into a full-time job at IBM. So the hiring manager, like I said, who also was her mentor – Asked her, says, "Hey, are you going to accept this job?" And she said, "Well, I've kind of done all my interviewing on this side, and you know, I'm pretty certain I'm going to accept it. But I need to go to one more place before I actually accept this job." And she's like, "Well, do you mind if I ask where?" And Melinda goes, "This this little startup called Microsoft." <laughs> a little startup at the time, right? Yeah. And the uh, her mentor said, "Hey, can I give you a piece of advice?" And Melinda's like, "Of course, sure." She says, "If you get an offer there, you have to take it." Mm-hmm. And this was what's like so shocking to her because she's like, this is a person who was actively recruiting me into IBM and she was the one who actually was putting my needs, my career growth, my interests above the need of the company. It's amazing. And when Melinda asked like, well, why would you say that? She goes, well, you're incredibly talented. You're a woman, you're young. This has like, uh, Microsoft has is gonna have like Monumental growth if everything goes as expected mm-hmm. at IBM, you're going to have to continue to prove yourself along the way. I'm not saying that you won't get there, but you'll get here a lot faster mm-hmm. at the startup. And of course, the rest is history, right? <laughs> so we know which one she took. And amazing
0: that she reflects back on that moment, you know, given all the success. And it just shows how much of an impact you can have to the point of legacy when you're teaching and coaching and mentoring others and how that leaves its mark.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when you make an emotional impact like that, not only does it serve the person, it starts to imprint a way of behaving and being that the person begins to recognize as truth. And that's mm-hmm. really, really important because you're, that's where the, the legacy comes from, is that when you take the time to coach, mentor, and teach, people start seeing the way that they want to behave, to seeing the way that they want to be, and they start to practice that when they bring on their mentees, their coaches, when they take the time to teach so it lives on, and that's actually, frankly, how culture developed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I've i already said I love this point. I love this one, but this is really fundamental to how I think about my own legacy. So like with Melinda Gates, and hopefully most of us have people that did this for us along the way, and those were pivotal moments, like you said, Anne, that then framed how we were going to... or. And not so great examples, how we were not going to coach and mentor others. But I really think that point about framing the behavior or being the impetus for the behavior or helping people mirror what it can look like is so important because when you're in the early end of your career, it is hard to navigate these types of things. So I think when we think about legacy, one of the lowest hanging fruit, quote unquote, things is to do the coaching and mentoring and teaching. But I think it is one of the places that's undervalued until you start to hear things like this. So for me, it's about really thinking past my own personal agenda. How can I assist this person in making their life better? And what will they remember about that experience? And I had two things just hit me in the face recently, which happens, I feel like, when we do these episodes a lot of times. But the first was I reconnected with someone that I haven't had a conversation with in 20 years almost. And she was saying that someone that worked for her that I haven't talked to in several years was – consistently singing my praises when people would say, who was your best mentor? And I hadn't heard, I mean, like I said, we, it's been, man, seven or eight years since I connected with her. She's been gone from that company for a couple, but she was like, your name would always come up naturally in those contexts, right? So to me, I'm like, that is part of what I want my legacy to be. I can see it happening. On the other side of that, I was just on a flight the other day and happened to sit next to someone that I worked with a long time ago. And, I was sort of doing, I felt like an impromptu coaching session, <laughs> which happens sometimes with him. And I said something and he said, oh, that's that's right, I need to write that down, right? And so I think that it's not always the shiniest thing, but when you start to put those things together, you can see that legacy that you can weave that's actually highly, highly impactful and emotional and promotes change and culture, like you said, in a really big way.
1: Yeah, and you may not know,
0: and right. I mean, and I didn't, you know, yeah. and yeah, exactly.
1: It cuts, we it, yes. Awesome to reinforce. But yes. These are some of the things you have to do on kind of blind faith.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a better way to say it. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. So the next point I how to leave a legacy in your career at any level is to set the new standard. Mm-hmm. So the people who leave a legacy don't just see what they do as a transactional job. If that's the way this, you see the way that you go to work and the way that you show up at work, you are not going to leave a legacy they see work, their job, their career as an opportunity to really play. So they kind of see it like a sandbox and they see it as all these kinds of new opportunities that they could kind of come in and actually push the status quo and create new products and features and services and processes and tools, all these things that can really improve the way the company does work and does really good quality work. I mean, this is the growth mindset we hear so often and so frequently, right? And these things, once they start to take hold, these are the new way people do work, right? So you're setting a new standard when you do that. Now, the place where I saw legacy being established a lot and most frequently at PNG, was in products research. So that's centered in R&D, and products research was the group that would go out and talk to consumers, and their whole job was to pull in insights in order to set the criteria, design criteria for new products, new advertising, all of those sorts of things. So there's no right way to source consumer input. In fact, there's a gazillion different ways and everybody had their own perspective, whether it's quantitative or qualitative or focus groups or one-on-ones, whatever it was. But the people that were actually showing up as leaving a legacy were the people who were really paying attention to what was the most effective and really honing those techniques in order to build a New standard, right? Mm -hmm. So, when they started becoming successful at those, people started wanting them to train them on them. They wanted to learn how to do these techniques. They started to become more adopted across the company. And those people became thought leaders in products research, right? And so, this is the way that you need to start thinking about how you're going to set a new standard. And it doesn't have to be something at necessarily like The highest highest level it can be something that's like in where you're at and so it can happen at any time now i'll say you have to be prepared because (laughs) setting a new standard isn't always easy right it's easier to kind of go where the ship is going and so you have to be prepared for a little bit of treacherous conditions whether it's gaining support whether it's acquiring new budget whether it's dealing with the doubters because you are going to be going and you're going to be really challenging the status quo. And you're going to try to bring in some new belief systems, but people people might not be prepared for it. This mm-hmm. is where you run into, we've been doing it like this for 10 yep. years, 15 years, 20 years. Or we did that 20 years ago and it didn't work. Well, okay, like two decades ago, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a different world. So the, the point here is that you can't just go in and do your job and leave a legacy. You really need to think about... How are you going to go above and beyond the status quo and make an imprint?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I will just reinforce the point that it can be a bit of a lonely road (laughs) at times. And you heard Ann say that it can be a challenging road. Uh, When I think about this, I, I think about the fact that you also can't charge too hard into it. So right. while it is about going above and beyond your daily job and sitting in the status quo is 1,000% never going to get you there, you also have to make sure you're taking the time and doing it with some patience so that you can bring other people along. And I've talked about this really before up. on the show, but I pushed boundaries hard early in my career. I mean, I got the nickname of being a hard charger by one of my early bosses. I was little Mussolini. Yes, exactly. Was, so
1: was little, <laughs> so I thought it was a little redundant.
0: Yeah, that is, actually, that is, you're right, little Mussolini, but mini Mussolini. Anyway, we could go down that whole path. But in any case, the point here is that I was doing it with positive intent because I saw a better way and I couldn't unsee the better way and I just wanted to go do the better way. Yeah. But the truth of the matter was, was that to Anne's point about we've been doing it this way a long time or, you know, you're a young little whippersnapper that it just got here. How could you possibly know better? You know, there's all kinds of reasons that you run into roadblocks. And I think when I think now in terms of leaving a legacy, it really is about figuring out a way to leave something better than when you got there. And sometimes you just have to realize that there's going to be shades and degrees of that. But building a legacy means you build it over time. And so that's always kind of become my motto and really stayed my motto when Annie and I even select clients now is can we make it better than it currently is? If so, then we should go ahead and do that. We also talk all the time about how we're on a lifelong journey to learn and achieve more. And I think that this is the way we weave that into our legacy. It's like... It's not that we're stagnating and looking at everybody else and saying, well, you could do this better. It's that we are doing better and by product of that, trying to bring others along as part of our legacy.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a really, really good point. I I really like that point, especially about the hard charging because that's definitely definitely not necessarily coming from a bad place. No, no. a place of passion, but you have to have some style when you go about it and be aware and be able to read the room and understand how to bring people along with you because you can't lead if nobody's following.
0: A little finesse goes a long way.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, the third point about leaving a legacy in your career at any level is to create culture. And I'm going to give this one to April.
0: Yes, yes, I love the culture. Any any sort of brand character, culture, I'm your gal. And you said this a little bit earlier on, um, Anne, about how when we're leaving a legacy, it really does help form culture. And I think that Obviously, that's what this point is called. But what we would say here is that it's especially important if you are a leader, but you can do this at any level. So I made the point before about making things better, leaving an impact, and having to grow your legacy. Just because you're not the leader, the owner, the CEO, et cetera, you still have the power to do this. And When we think about this point, we think about those people that we've all had in our careers where you talk about them and you're like, their personality is just so infectious. When I'm with them, I can't help but being positive, right? Or whatever that is, whatever that thing is that you glom onto, that other people glom onto, and they want to follow that person um, down whatever particular path. The thing that I would say about this though is, and this was a misconception when I was younger, is those people don't just happen to be that. (laughs) <laughs> like in some in some ways, right? But this is where your personal brand really comes into play. So you have to always be actively working within and managing your personal brand so that you know, one, who you want to be, but then subsequently how you want to show up and then how you want people to feel as a result. And then how do you want them to be as a result of that? What I've learned over the years is those people were great because they were consistent And they were active in their personal brand at all times. And they were managing the situation around them, not from a manipulative way, but they saw the way they wanted it to be or they saw the legacy they wanted to leave. And so then they were acting in accordance with that. So this is really specifically your behaviors and your actions. I just said consistency. Your actions are the choices you make in your engagements with others as well as when you think about the business as a whole. And we recently had the former CMO of Chick-fil-A on the show. Oh, man. What's that been a couple months ago now? Maybe. And he talked a lot about the culture there and Truett Cathy, who was the founder, established what he calls Christian values in Chick-fil-A. And whether you're religious or not, it really doesn't matter to this point. What we interpret this as is really just being a good human. So we would encourage you, that's Steve Robinson, go back and listen to that episode. But even to this day, Chick-fil-A still upholds those ideals. So a second generation takes over, folks like Steve after 30 years are now gone. They continue to live into that and they keep it pretty simple, honestly. It's about being a good person, like we said. But the culture of the organization lives into that just as much as the experience they provide to the customer and all the way through. And they're constantly using that as a lens. Now, this is a really big scale example. We get that. We think it's one that's easily intuitive when you think about it and we've all experienced it. So therefore, one that really shows you how when you create the culture through the lens of the legacy that you believe as whatever role you're playing in the organization – that's how you can start to help the culture take hold in a very intentional way.
1: Yeah, I think that is a really good example and I just want to emphasize the point that is about your behaviors and actions and how you show up mm-hmm. and that is a really really important part to think about because you know the old adage is true, right? It's like people won't remember necessarily what you do but they remember how you make them feel. Uh-huh. And this is a really really important point to remember if you want to leave a legacy. And like I said, we we expect you guys wanna leave a positive legacy. Yes. Yes. So we don't want you to be the worst person they ever worked with, but one of the best people they ever mm-hmm. worked with. You wanna help people rise to the occasion. You wanna help people be better around you. You wanna help people accomplish more as a result of, of you and your presence. So Think about what your personal brand is doing on behalf of that mission and that goal, if legacy is what you want to lead, mm-hmm. and see how your behaviors and actions may or may not be actually conducive to achieving that goal. And I think it's, it, it's, it's something that becomes a very much a, a vulnerable place to be sometimes. Sure does. But it does create a huge, huge transition uh, and transformation, and the way people are going to interact with you, and the influence you have on people. So really, really think about that point. I think that's a really excellent point. And then that becomes infectious, and that's where the culture is created, right? Yep. Yep.
0: It grows from there.
1: All right. The fourth point about leaving a legacy in your career at any level is intentionally planning your succession. April, I'm going to take
0: this one. And this is the one nobody ever wants to talk about because they don't want to have to think about actually leaving. (laughs) It all sounds good until
1: it becomes reality, just like a lot
0: of things. But again, this is not just for CEOs and executives. This is really for anyone, no matter your level. Many people believe succession planning is part of a process that's done around them. But in actuality, you can have a big influence on who takes over when you leave, This holds true even if you're just leaving one role within the company and going to another. How are you leaving things and how do you want them to be left and who to, essentially? So what we mean by this is recruit with intention. So make sure that you're carefully cultivating your team such that you can pull a lot of like-minded, though diverse, talent. And look at those people and then think about who's ready to step in when you step out. So that's the intentionality that we're talking about there. Pull people up with you. We talk about this a lot on various topics. Make sure that as you climb the ladder, your successors are coming along with you and then you're backfilling underneath them, right? So the like-mindedness, that's what we're talking about. It becomes, it starts to permeate through all levels if you do it right. And make sure when you're doing this that the people that you're pulling up are getting the exposure they need to the right people at the right time so it makes sense not just to you why you're putting them forth. Nominate or provide a list of successors to the hiring manager. Give your RECO for who you think the best person is to take your role and then leave a plan for them. If you can help with that transition plan even better, especially if you know this person intimately, you're able to help use the skills that they have to then set them up for success in that transition plan. And then offer to be part of the recruiting process or provide the criteria if you don't believe that the people exist within-house or, you know, haven't been your successors along the way on what makes a qualified candidate. Now. Nothing guarantees that your legacy is going to be maintained or that all parts of this are going to happen the way you want them to. But if you do this work, I've seen this work well, where it's a lot, it's outside of the norm of most people's quote unquote day job of what they're managing, even if they're in HR or, you know, whatever their role is, it's added work for them, especially if it's going to be done right with intention. So I think by putting any of this in place, you have a better chance of having your legacy take hold and some of it being moved forward, it might not play out exactly like you thought, but you can influence it.
1: Yeah, I think those are really, really good points, and I think a lot of people miss this unless they think that they are the hiring manager. And mm-hmm. I, so, I'll tell you, before I was actually a manager of others, what I would tend to do was if we had to have a new person come into the team or for a hiring externally. I would be like, I'm just going to jot down a few points of who I think would be really good for this role. And I gave it to my boss. Mm -hmm. I'm like, even was the guys of like, um, I know, you know, you're you're kind of processing a lot and you're thinking a lot about who could fit. I'm like, just in case you're interested, I just put down a few points of what I thought would be the right qualifications for this person in this role. Right. Mm -hmm. You can influence that at your own level. Now, like April said, not guaranteed that they're going to listen, but you can at least try to influence Then as a hiring manager, there was two things that I always look for when I was hiring somebody in. One is like, could they take my job eventually? Because if they couldn't, then there's just really no point. Mm -hmm. Um, Although there are people who are at at a lower level, do I see potential in it that they can eventually take Yes, get there, get there, yeah. And two, can they make me look good? Yep. Right? So those were the two qualifications that were really highly, highly important to me because one, I mean... You got to remember that you don't know everything. And so surrounding yourself with smart people who do is extremely, extremely helpful, even though you have to kind of swallow your ego a little bit to Mm -hmm. do that. But this is all about intentionally planning your succession. It's about creating a team that, one, has the right culture, but then also when you are going to move on, you have this this established ecosystem that can carry on without you, Mm -hmm. right? And then you move that and you take that to the next place you go, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really, really important point.
0: Well, and the last thing I will say here is don't let it not happen because you're fearful. So this yes. planning sets up the next team for success and whatever, but it also allows you the peace of mind to be able to move out yes. and not stay too long. I've seen that happen. And then you get to the point of diminishing returns. I'm actually going to yeah. make a sports analogy here, and You're going to die. Um, but we recently watched Derek Jeter's whole series on his career. And the thing that struck me about him – Full transparency, I have a huge crush on him after that. And I I already did anyway, but just as in a different way. Okay. He's like just, they're kind of opposites, right? Like Derek is polish and professionalism and suave and like oozes charm. Shaq does those things in a more of a raw way, which I just find hysterical. So, anyway. All that to say. But the thing that that struck me and why it came into my head for this point is that Derek exited his career at a point when, sure, he could have kept playing, but he was kind of going out on top. And I don't mean that in like the, oh, he had just won X amount of World Series, whatever. But it was like he knew it was his time and he left with the grace of that versus some of these players on various sports that you see kind of like hold on too tight. And then what you remember about them is what happened at the end, not all the great things that they did in between. And I saw this happen in a few different organizations that I worked in where I was like, ah, if he had just gone like even two years earlier, it would have been a completely different exit. And I just think this is where grace and doing what you have to for yourself to be okay with leaving versus putting the stranglehold and holding on, it's just so important to this point.
1: Yeah, choose your time, don't let your time choose you. Yes. And that's at any level. Again, this is not just like yeah. I'm old and I'm retiring. No, 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 I mean, no. It's like I've, I've been here too long. I'm no longer growing. I'm, therefore, I'm not longer helping my team to grow. Right? Yeah. Oh, I've gotten everything I can out of this. It's time for me to move on. But this is a safe place. It's a yep. you know, I like it here, you know, those sorts of things, too. So I think it's fear from multiple different places, right? Well,
0: and you brought up Shaq, so I may as well emphasize the point here. Like part of the reason I'm fascinated with that man, it's all post-basketball career. Yeah. It's because of all the business acumen that he's built and that he's done it with intentionality and he's built a completely separate career not to mention he's hysterical like i said but you know just it's like he could have kept playing kept playing kept playing kept playing until he couldn't walk anymore literally for the stress he was putting on his body but he's found other ways to move his legacy along and have actually i would argue a much bigger impact on the world and people that are non nba sports fans such as myself
1: i agree i have to totally agree with you on that one All right, so just to recap, how to leave a legacy in your career at any level. Take the time to teach, coach, and mentor. When we hear stories of people recounting impactful moments in their careers, they almost always include someone who made a difference in their journey. Number two, set the new standard. The people who leave a legacy don't just see what they do as a transactional job. They see it as a sandbox full of opportunity to build and create something new. Number three, create culture. This is especially important if you are a leader, but anyone can do this at any level just by being intentional with how you show up. And number four, intentionally plan your succession. This is not just for CEOs and execs. This is for everyone, no matter your level. You can have a big influence on who takes over after you leave. All right, our next segment is in the trenches, where we give real-world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad applications so all of you guys can put them into action. All right, our first in the trenches question, how do you feel you have left a legacy at your previous places of employment, and how are you doing so now? All right, I'll take a step at this to begin with, and then April... I want you to jump into. Sure. All right, so I'll start at PNG. So people understand and appreciate the value of PR to build brands, I believe, because of the work that I did there. Now, when I started in PR, and this, this is public relations, different than uh, what I was talking about before, um, which also was called PR, which is the consumer research part of, of the business is that PR was always kind of seen as more of like the other side of advertising, right? People didn't really understand or really grasp the point of it because we're so focused on the the straightforward advertising or developing TV spots. And then it became a little bit of social and digital there, but still PR kind of like always hung on the, on the outside. So I had to work really, really hard to get that integrated into our, our holistic way that we do branding and marketing by showing that when you generate PR, when you generate people talking about your brand in different ways outside of just your straightforward advertising, which, frankly, nobody talks about just the advertising outside of Super Bowl, you generate brand love. And it's a way of being able to create connections with your, your consumers at a, at a level that creates a lot of impact in the way that you make them feel. But you can only do that when you can put it in context of something that they care about, something that's culturally relevant from somebody who's culturally relevant or somebody that they care about. And it can't always be from the brand. And so when I was able to actually get them to understand the benefit of this, RPR capability and our PR budgets and our, <laughs> all of that, uh, the, the, the strategies that we were able to deploy became much, much bigger. And you can see this still in the way that P&G, especially the Tide brand and and our fabric care brands that execute uh, a lot of the the PR that I started um, in programs like Tide Loads a hope. Um, So that still is there. And that's still in something that I set the new standard for. Um, The way that that comes to life now is something that I made an impact on. The way that we do the NFL program, that before was a, still has a benefit focus message, but it has more culturally relevant NFL, those nuances and using the assets in the right way to really drive that emotional connection, that brand love, and the way that the fans can appreciate. Where before it was like a very big push message of just, hey, dirty jerseys, Ty can clean it. Mm-hmm. Now, like even in the latest copy that I just saw, which was about cleaning your uh, your fan jersey that you've had forever and ever, that has been done before in a very different way than how I had articulated it when I was still there. And so I see some of that still continue to live on because it did well, right? And so those things kind of take hold, that becomes a new standard. And, and that becomes the way that people see how to use like sponsorships and partnerships and collaborations in order to build that brand love. So I feel like that is something that I left as a legacy at PNG that I can still continue to see in my own little world today. And I think also now, now as forthright people, I see us building our legacy through actually this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's something that we have built now a body of work, but the body of work reflects our point of view. The body of work reflects the way that we have uh, learned how to do marketing through a varied amount of experiences. That podcast could live on forever. That, mm-hmm. that, platform is going to host that podcast forever unless somehow the platform disappears. Right? Yeah. So we, leave it we, like- still <laughs> yeah, we still have all the files. Yeah. Let's keep putting it back out there. We'll leave it in the will. <laughs> okay, if our, our podcast is gone don't, uh, upload uploaded again. Won't you? <laughs> so that's uh, one way that I think we're really starting to cultivate still our legacy as part of birthright people. April, what do you think?
0: Yeah. So I mentioned before that at every company, my motto of trying to leave it better than when I got here was what I started to live into once I got myself under control. Um, And frankly, there were a couple of places where it didn't go as well as I hoped, so I tried to just do it where I could. So when I wasn't the leader, it was more of a one-off mentorship of younger staff or propping people up where I could or helping out when it wasn't necessarily in my job description to try to cultivate that culture, but then also to the point of one of the points, which was about impacting behavior or influencing how people were going to do things moving forward. That was always one of my goals. And then once I became a leader toward the end of my career, I fought like hell for the right people to have a voice, even if they weren't in the room and I didn't take other people's credit. And then eventually I got to start an entire department, which I treated like it was my very own. Right, And so You can see in the way I'm talking about it how it built with intentionality and I think not getting distracted in the places where it wasn't having as much impact as I thought it should also really helped me to think more objectively about what I wanted my legacy to be, which you hear me say is very much in the – helping other people, propping people up, coaching, mentoring, teaching, allowing people to learn from my experiences and be better for it alongside me, and then bringing those people along. And when I started my own thing, that was a huge objective. And it was about everything from fixing fractured relationships between clients and agencies to utilizing freelancers and other experts with the respect that they deserved all of the time to helping people that wanted to start their own gig start their own gig. And now it's a huge part of who we are at Forthright People and why we've expanded the model to coach, train, and do. Quite frankly, if you gave me my choice, I'd live in the coach and train all day because I believe that's where I can have the most influence and the part of the business that I love. I also echo the point about the podcast – When I listen back and think about how many episodes we've done and how much work we've put into this, I'm just super proud of what we've been able to achieve, but also when I think about the fact that my kids and grandkids will have that, I mean, we haven't talked a lot about the personal side of things, but being able to actually hear me speak, I mean, I hear them repeat phrases when they listen back on some of the episodes (laughs) with me, which is hysterical now, but I think your point is right about how we're leaving that body of work. And then forthright women, you didn't touch on, yeah. but we you know we have that as well, where we built this podcast to bring marketing to the masses, kind of pull back the bullshit meter and show people what it really is meant to include and what it isn't in a lot of cases and make the business world a better place for it. With Forthright Women, we're trying to intentionally do what we do with a lot of our one-on-one coaching engagements or with our training engagements and really focusing on women and allowing them to help live into the potential without all the noise that often surrounds the rise. And so – Long answer, but past and and now and even future, I think a little bit. I think our legacy, like I said before at the beginning, we're all about learning and growing. And so we're trying to do that for ourselves, but also push ourselves to do better and be better and make our legacy grow into the masses.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm glad you mentioned fourth break, women. All right. Our second in the trenches question. You mentioned you can leave a legacy at any level, but I feel like all people expect me to do is my job. How can I leave a legacy? Fair enough. Yes. And this is a tough one when we said it's not always easy, right, to to leave a legacy. You have to push against some things that are going to push against you. Uh, This is going to probably be one of them, but here's where you heard us say you can set the new standard for how you do your job and you can do that no matter what job you're doing. You can always find a different way of doing it better, doing a higher quality job, setting a new standard in, in that way, even if it's very process-oriented. Mm-hmm. But just to take it back to the example I was using before when I was talking about products research, the other PR, uh, when I was giving in all the examples of how people were creating legacy there, those weren't just managers or leaders or people who had been in the company for 20 years. These were new folks to the function. These were new folks to PG. I think sometimes we underestimate the power of fresh thinking, especially yep. if you're young or you're new coming in. Now, as April said, I mean, don't come in with guns ablazing. <laughs> and like, want to change everything in your first 30 days. You have to have some respect for coming in and learning and, and understanding what the culture is and understanding where everybody's at, reading the room, all those important things that allow you to enable change. But you should think about, well, what's my new spin on this? Well, what can I offer? What's my previous experiences give me that maybe they don't quite see? Or because I have a new outside from the actual, like, core view, what what does that bring? Like, what can I offer that is um, a new, fresh perspective in that way? So that's one, is to set the new standard for how you do your job no matter what. And that goes back to one of our original points. But also like establish culture by the way you show up. And like April said, again, I'm always struck by how much you can change the way that people do work just by the way that you show up Mm -hmm. in that work. So that is not to be underestimated. And I'll give you an example here is we were doing some interviews for a client and I was talking to one of these people and she was on the very front lines, right? Very front lines doing this work and uh she had a teammate who had some back issues and the teammate had been asking for a while to get a stand up desk and they were she was having trouble getting it approved and you know just a little bit of bureaucracy through corporations that's nothing new and definitely not unexpected but it was taking some time and and she was kind of in pain and so her this person saw her and said i had the means i'm going to buy you this desk okay and so she just bought her the desk and the person was so thankful and so grateful because she couldn't afford the desk. She couldn't afford to buy it on her own, but she's like, I have the money. I'm just going to buy you this desk so you can do you have the job that you need to do and you can, can contribute at your, your biggest level. And so those sorts of things people remember. Mm-hmm. Right? And you also hope when people have those things or experience those things or those things happen to them, they then pay it forward. Yep. right? So again, it's the way that you create culture. It's the way that you create an atmosphere, or an environment that's conducive to the type of place that becomes like a a thriving place that people want to come and work at and stay at,
0: right? Mm -hmm. I agree with all of that. And I would just add back the point of controlling what you can within your role. Yeah, that's a
1: really good point. And
0: so I think those little impacts that build to something greater are so important. And so I think just to put a finer point on some examples of what Anne said, I was thinking of just some anecdotes of where I was able to have an impact that help me clarify my legacy overall. So for example, one of the agencies I worked at was uptight, and I'd say that in air quotes, from an agency perspective. And so the tensions were always really high. And so I made it my point to always bring levity to situations. And that's really where my whole statement about we're not saving lives here was born out of that experience or put the punctuation point on that. But it helped to calm people down. And then others started to mirror that behavior and understand it was okay. And then more people wanted me on their team. And then people sought me out to go on pitches and things like that. So it it didn't, fundamentally change everything about that organization, but it made an impact with very little effort on my my part. So you can still do your day to day and add these little things in that have maybe more impact sometimes than arguably your actual job can from a legacy perspective. Um, Another one I know work from home and work remote's huge now, but in one of my jobs, it was not and it was not okay. And I went in and fought for working Fridays from home because I was traveling to the office and then I was traveling all over the place. And there was a lot of skepticism and there was a lot of pushback. And the first couple times I did it, it was kind of disastrous because I felt like people were trying to catch me in something right but sticking with it and doing it over time then allowed them to see that performance wasn't reflective of actually having to sit in your chair and so that changed that for future people in the organization and then finally I will say one of the best environments I worked at in one of the agencies, um, we had a lot of fun together and it was encouraged that you go out and explore or even spend two hours outside of your desk and go work somewhere else, but no one would ever do it. Mm-hmm. And so I started making it a point to stretch the limit on what that meant in working a half day, not in the office and being completely unavailable. And at first people were like, I'm, you're doing what? But then over time people were like, oh, well, that's a top performer and well-respected person in the organization – I can follow suit of that, right? Like, I might not be able to do it to that level right off the bat, but we started to see more people. And then the work got better and people were happier. And we weren't spending 40, 50, 60 hours together in the same space because we felt like the culture mandated that. So, as I was going through and thinking about what you were saying, and then also my response to this, giving some tactical things of just where it doesn't have to be fundamentally changing everything about the place, and you can still do it within the confines of your job. And you'll probably also be happier. Because you feel like you have some control over what your role is in the broader organization.
1: Yeah, I like that. I, I kind of sum that up to being the example, right? Yes. Yeah, I love that. Yep. All right, our third the trenches question: How do you continue to build on your legacy over time when you have the day to day of your job and just life in general? Let's get this one to <laughs> April.
0: Yeah, and I kind of, t- I kind of preempted this, this a little bit, but I think I'm just gonna p- like put some points out there yeah. for this one. So. We've talked about this. We talk about how Ann and I are always educating ourselves and reaching further. Really candidly, you know, my husband sometimes hears the stuff I'm listening to and he's like, I don't even understand what you're getting out of this. I've left it in my brain (laughs) so far ago, right? And then there are things that sometimes I get into and I'm like, too much, too dense, you know? But the point is that, I'm pushing, right? I'm constantly pushing, and maybe someday I'll be able to get to that one that today is a struggle. The second thing is seek out perspectives that are not your own. We haven't talked about this a lot on the episode, but for me, partnering with Anne. Let my career take another huge leap and my legacy as well, because I had someone that agreed with me on the need to leave a legacy, but was able to push me on what that meant for me. And it doesn't have to be a business partner, it can just be other people around you, especially if you're trying to identify what you do well or what you provide that's kind of the natural quote unquote thing within your personal brand that you could own. You can ask other people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Be clear in who you are and manage your personal brand pretty straightforward. Do small things to recalibrate. We talk about this often too. If things are feeling a little off, even if it's like a, usually I'm at like a 90% and this week I've been at a 60%, what's going on and why? And does it have something to do with not feeling totally fulfilled? Practice on a daily basis, not here and there. We talk all the time about how the things that are really important to us, we focus every single day on in increments, but it's not like a, oh, I haven't done that for a month. Now I need to go take care of that. It's a consistency thing. And then ask other people what they think when you go and do things too. So make sure that the feedback loop is consistently there. If you change something with intention, get feedback from other people.
1: Yeah, those are all really good. I I think the feedback one is a very important one that people tend to not want to. Uh
0: Uh-huh, they're scared.
1: Yeah, because they're afraid of what people are going to say, right? Mm -hmm. But that is like the most important way to fine-tune your legacy is to really understand how you're showing up. It goes to the personal brand piece we talked about. It goes to... Whether or not you're being received well as a coach, trainer, or a mentor. It I mean, it goes to so many different things, mm-hmm. building culture. If you're not getting feedback, then you're really not intentionally building your legacy. Yep. All right, our third and final segment is a brand that is either exercising their marketing smarts or not exercising their marketing smarts. And we call these marketing smarts moments. Mm-hmm. Right. And they may or may not have anything to do with the episode. And this one, I well, it could.
0: <laughs> you're gonna. You always say that, and then you always find a way to tie it back. I it's know, like you're.
1: I, I kind of find it like a challenge. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this one came across my social feed, and this was Pure Bar, which is part of the bar craze. If you guys, I'm not exactly sure if they're across the country or if they're just in the local area.
0: It's a trend, though.
1: Yeah. It's a bar. Bar being like the bar workouts, right? Yeah. So Pure Bar, they had a pop up at the Harley Davidson Grand Opening, and it was an outdoor yoga event.
0: Oh my. Can you see? No, I think, <laughs> wow. I mean, I applaud you for trying to bring some new demographics in, but the picture in my head right now is not lining up.
1: Yeah, I was like, what? I mean, really? I'm like, okay. Um, so this one, I think I will tell you the lesson, and then I'll get into the why, is like, I think you need to know your customer. You need to know your audience. <laughs> I do yoga weekly. I cannot imagine going on the lawn at a Harley-Davidson with all those, like, Harley Davidson style, not to be stereotypical, but there is a demographic, right? It's a culture. It's a being part of the Harley Davidson culture is a thing, and people feel very proud to be part of that, right?
0: Well, just the gear that they wear is not conducive to yoga.
1: Do you, Can you imagine doing yoga as they're, like, kind of walking in and out off their bikes? Like, I'm like, what the hell are those people doing?
0: Well, yeah, and if they were going to participate, I mean, they're wearing
1: clunky boots and not, leather vests, and... They're not the ones participating. That's, like, the really funny thing. I mean, they can't be. I mean, I just... No. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So, I, I went back, and I kind of looked to see if this was a thing that they were doing, and I did find... That they had done others pop-ups, like they did one at Grainworks, which is a local brewery, or I think it's a brewery, or not a brew pub, but um, here. And they had a kind of a recap of it, and there was like 14 people showed up to that. Ouch. But again, I don't go to a bar to go do yoga. Mm -mm. And I'm not exactly sure I want to be doing yoga out on the patio while everybody's sitting around drinking their beers.
0: And watching me? No weird Isn't it's it so weird? weird it's so awkward i don't understand so no.
1: i went to go see if they had a recap after the harley Davidson one nothing
0: mm, okay. so i'm not exactly
1: sure how successful that was or how many people ended up showing up but i was dying to see what those pictures look like i <laughs> wanted to see the pictures of all the guys on the bikes watching all these like women doing yoga okay so i say that to, again I'll, I'll close with my moral of the story which is i applaud that they're trying to be a little bit disruptive mm-hmm. i applaud that they're trying to kind of create some interest and do something interesting. But there is an element of things that disconnect. Mm -hmm. Remember when we said when you're creating your brand love vehicles, you need to make sure you're very clear about your communication channel, like how you're going to reach your consumer, very uh, clear about your message, right? About what you want to communicate. And you got to be very, very clear about your storyteller, Mm -hmm. right? I would say all three of those are off
0: here. 100%.
1: Yeah. So to me, it's not a big surprise if this isn't working. But if it's part of a test and learn, great. We applaud test and learn, go test and learn. My guess is I would not invest much more into doing these kinds of pop-ups.
0: No. Yeah. Uncomfortable for the people there for the regular what, beers or bikes. Uncomfortable for the people that are peer bar enthusiasts. Well,
1: can you also imagine like they're trying to, you know, the kind of music they play Yeah, yeah. And analogy all you hear is Harley engines coming in? Yeah, yeah. I nope. just don't understand. Okay. Nope. All right. So just to recap, how to leave a legacy in your career at any level? Take the time to teach, coach, and mentor. When we hear stories of people recounting impactful moments in their careers, they almost always include someone who made a difference in their journey. Second, set the new standard. The people who leave a legacy don't just see what they do as a transactional job. You see it as a sandbox full of opportunity to build and create something new. Third, create culture. This is especially important if you're a leader, but anyone can do this at any level just by being intentional with how you show up. And finally, intentionally plan your succession. This is not just for CEOs and execs. This is for everyone, no matter your level. They have a very big influence on who takes over after you leave. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.